excited about today. Uh, good stuff on hand. Well, I want before we jump into our 21 dangerous prayers, we're going to do that next week. Uh, as I just prayed and considered what we needed to do this week, uh, it became apparent that we needed to do one more margin discussion. Uh, and this is not a margin discussion that I've ever facilitated before, but I think it is completely good for where we're at. Um, so think about this. Think about where you work. Everybody got that in mind? Where we'd like to work, right? Either one, whichever <laughs> it is. Or where you used to work, whatever it is, right? Um, or maybe even where you're at at home. But think about that. And, and there's two categories of tasks. Two categories of tasks. Category number one. Tasks you can do alone. Category number two. Tasks. How did I word this in my notes? Oh, very profound. Uh, You can not do alone. (laughs) Sometimes my vocabulary is so simple that it it just becomes confusing, right? Um, But the tasks that you cannot do alone require multiple people working together, right? So you can't do it alone. It requires multiple people working together. So Think about where you work, think about things you do on a daily basis, think about those two different things. There are certain things that you do every day that you can do, right? Just Some of them only you can do, right? You've been hired to do that, you've been positioned to do that, and nobody else can do it but you, and it's not dependent upon you working with anybody else, it's just you doing what is in front of you, you doing what you have the skill set to do and you've been hired to do. But then there's other things that are like, you know what? If there wasn't a team, I couldn't do it. Right? I'm, I'm a, a player in it. I have a hand in it. But there's no way that I could accomplish that by myself. That requires me working with multiple people, moving together, and only we can do that because I can't do that alone. Right? So, um, who wants to be the guinea pig this morning? I was going to call somebody out, but who just, who just wants to say, you know what, let's pick my job apart for a second, and we'll use me as an example. Okay? Okay? Pick it apart. All right. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't mean have points. I don't mean we're going to tell you where you're really bad, but when, when, I, when I write these two categories, what are some of the things that you do that you can do? Right? You can do them alone. Yeah, I can sit in my car and drive from A to B. Okay. So let's, let's explain what you do for work currently. I am a courier, and I deliver papers from one business to the other with the occasional frozen animal. <laughs> or body part that's... Or yeah, kid, yeah. Never know. Don't look in the box. Don't look in the box. <laughs> yep. so, so Zach is a courier. He gets... His company uh, gets hired as a delivery service to take something from point A to point B, right? So, um, so what did you just say is something you can do alone? Drive from point A to point B. Drive from point A. I can, Zach can, can physically go to this address, pick up either the letter, the paper, the document, or the body part, and I can, I, can, I can take that, get back in my car, and drive to point B and drop it off. You can do that by yourself. doesn't require any help. Anything else you can do? 
<laughs> that, that's, pretty much, that's pretty much college JavaScript. So think about that process and say, what part of the, what part of your process or your job or your company uh, can you not do alone? And if it were not for others doing what they do, then you couldn't do what you do. Couldn't pick up stuff that's an hour and a half the other direction. Okay, there's some things that are just outside of your ability to get to in a reason. So it requires multiple people doing what you do right. in different areas of the city or state, right? What about, um, are you able to, to, to schedule and to plan? Or if somebody else doesn't schedule and plan and lay out some part of your day, can you even fulfill your task? Or is that pretty much all by ear? There's two set routes that I take each day, but okay. they're out. It's all like call-ins and, hey, there's a pickup here, pickup there. But they, who do they call? My boss. Call your boss. Yeah. Because you can't... We can multitask, but there comes a point where multitasking becomes less efficient. And if you're always answering the phone for spur-of-the-moment calls that come out midday while you're trying to get from customer A to customer B, then you're going to be less effective at the thing you can do by yourself because you're trying to do more. right? So at that point, a team is a good concept. Other people doing what they do enables you to do what you do. Right? So now you've got people. you got Zach here, but then you got guy A, guy B, guy C. They're all X, right? Working at different parts of the city. Doing actually the same thing that Zach does, but they're doing it in different parts of the city so that he can do what he does. And they can do what they do. And when everybody does what everybody does, now you have a company working well together. And you've got the phone guy who's receiving, that's his boss, let's call him B for boss. You got that guy who has incoming calls from all over, and he can't do what all these guys do because he's doing what he does, right? But if he doesn't do what he does well, which sometimes I've, I've talked to other people, if, let's, say that he, <laughs> let's say that he drops the ball and doesn't do what he does, does that have any effect on what you do? How much I do. Okay. As so it, how much. It, it affects your efficiency. Right? So even though he's doing something different than you, it affects your ability to do what you do. And what you're doing affects his ability to do what he does. Right? Most of us work in a situation like this. There's things that you can do alone. Things that you've been hired to do. Things that you're positioned to do. And then there's things that you just simply cannot do alone. Even if you tried, you couldn't do it. Right? We all can rationalize. We we all can think about our jobs in this way. Um, Let me rephrase this just a little bit for us personally. There are things you can do. Um, actually I'm going to say only you can do and there are things only we can do okay so now we're no longer talking about your job we're talking about us as a church and a ministry and a people there's things that only you can do and there's some things that only we can do. 
So the past three weeks we've been talking about creating margin. What are our three categories? Finance. Finances. Got two more? Emotions. Emotions. Plans. Plans. So our three categories of margin. Oop, I just wrote on my shirt. And margin equals what? Limit. Minus load equals margin. Okay, so number one. It's like margin. I am. <laughs> sometimes I spell right, sometimes I just don't write right. Um, there are some things only you can do. Number one, only you can create margin in your life. I can't do that for you. If you don't do it, it's not going to happen. If you don't take care of your finances in a way that leaves a remainder over saying, I believe that I've been blessed financially to be a blessing. Right? We said on week one that most of our homes are structured in a way to be blessed, not to be a blessing. But we also said that if you've been blessed, it's rarely, if ever, about you. So we believe that, that God has blessed you financially to whatever level... Each of us are in a different place in life and a different place financially. But whatever level you're at, your financial blessings are so that you can be a blessing to others. Right? But most of us structure our lives so that we can bless ourselves even greater. Bigger house, more cars, blah, 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 blah. More stuff in our house. Just more stuff that our kids get to sell off when we die. Um, emotions. I cannot create emotional margin in your life. Only you can do that. Only you can do that. I can't take steps for you that eliminate your load emotionally so that you have more freedom to recognize the opportunities in front of you and to take advantage of them. I cannot lighten your load in a way that the next unexpected twist in your life doesn't just cause you to go to your knees. Only you can take those steps. Only you can take those steps. And in your plans, I can't, I can't make your plans in a way that you're ready to shift if you see God doing something different. Only you can do that. But the benefit of you doing what only you can do is there's everyday encounters that only you can take advantage of. Right? So if let's assume for a second that you built margin in your life. Andrew, there's encounters that you have on a daily basis. We can't participate in it with you. There's opportunities in your everyday life that only you can take advantage of. Right? Only you. Every one of us has this. In your everyday life, there's opportunities that come in front of you to be a blessing to others, to, to make a kingdom impact in this world, that if you don't do it, nobody can do it with you or for you. Because it's in your everyday life that those things happen. Right. So what are some examples of that? What are some everyday opportunities that only you can do? Just think about everyday life and the things that typically come our way. Everyday opportunities that only you can take advantage of. Bueller. Bueller. Put a microphone in front of you guys and you guys shut down, right? Act like it's not there. Look at the ceiling. Okay. 
What do you think? You can actively seek seek out opportunities throughout the day instead of just doing what we do, you know. Yeah. Nobody can make that shift other than you, right? Right. If you don't make that shift, that shift doesn't happen. With the same coworkers every day for eight hours, that only I'm you know in this room, only I'm there for. So yeah, there's opportunities there. There's certain people in your life that if you don't bless them, we can't do it for you. Right? Those conversations you have on your lunch break, those opportunities that come your way. Just as you're doing what you do, if you don't have the margin built in to move in those moments, I can't do it with you. I can't do it for you. Because I'm on the other side of the city doing what I do, and you can't do what I do. There's daily activity that that only you, if, if you don't build the margin in, you'll miss those moments, you'll miss those opportunities, and not anybody else in this room can make up for it. Because God puts you where you work. God puts you around the people that you work around. God puts you to interact with the customers that you interact with. God puts you in that place to be a missionary, to be a blessing in their life. He didn't put me there. He put you there. And if you don't make those shifts, then nobody in this room can make them for you. Nobody. Those are things that only you can do. Only you. Right? Funny thing, it's just like Zach's job. There's people all around the city doing what they do. And you're doing what you do. And if we all do it with margin, recognizing that God has put us there to be a blessing in their life and point them towards our Heavenly Father. If you do what you do, and I do what I do, and you do what you do, and we all do it with the same purpose, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. It begins with you making the shifts, though. Building in margin so that you can take advantage of the everyday opportunities. I can't do any of that for you. can't do any of it for you. To your customers, your co-workers, right? People that cross our paths in everyday opportunities. So many opportunities. Why do we not see them? Because we don't have margin built in. We're already overwhelmed. We're already consumed with something else that took our mind and our ability to see those, right? So there's some things that only you can do. Shift our thinking and go to point two. There are things that only we can do. There's things that only we can do. And this is going to stretch your brain for a second. What are some of the things that you cannot do alone, but we must do together. There are some things that you can't do alone, but we have to do together. As a family, as a church, as a body of people joined together. Can you think of some of those things? It's the current one is the school. So I open out the school with uh, clothes or whatever they need. Okay, so we've got an opportunity to build a relationship. We're already building this relationship with our local elementary school, right? So that we can feed the hungry and clothe the naked. Just to put it simple, right? Uh, feed and clothe 
the school. That task, that role, that partnership is too big for any one of us to do alone. I can't do it alone. Even though I've got margin built in, I cannot carry this load that exceeds my margin. We have to do that together. Okay? That's a we thing. What else? What are some things that only we can do? Even what we did last week at Zach and Tiffany's. Exactly. Serve as we did last Sunday. Let me make that point. I've been over there, I think, two other days doing exactly that, but I didn't accomplish near what we accomplished last week. Right? I spent like two or three hours just putting shower bars in their shower by myself. And while I'm sitting there holding that drill bit and that tile that takes umpteen years to get through, nothing else has happened. But that was different last week, right? You knock off a dozen items off that list because we did it, right? Not I. So there's some projects God has put us there to serve and not one of us can accomplish it alone, but we have to accomplish it together. Great example. What else? Sunday morning experience, Sunday morning gathering. Not any one of us can create a Sunday morning gathering on our own. Right? So what we do on Sundays has to be a we. So the Sunday experience. The Sunday experience has to be a collaborative effort. It has to be us working together, using our gifts to do what we can do. Right now, Shelly's doing what she's doing so that we can do what we're doing. Different parts of the city accomplishing the same purpose, working together so that we can do what only we can do. Because Sunday morning is not something that you can do by yourself. It's not. It's a team effort. Multiple people. What else? I would say the same thing for DNA group settings and missional community settings. That needs to be a communal effort, don't you? So let me let me jump beyond what you said and um, kind of define what you meant. DNA groups, in case you're not familiar with them at this point, are intended to be a small group of gender-specific people meeting on a right now bi-weekly basis in order to study the scriptures and encourage one another towards obedience. Okay? It's, it's the primary discipleship place that we have. It is the place where you get in-depth with the scriptures, in-depth with your, with your life, and in-depth with others so that you all push towards obedience in the gospel. The primary place for discipleship to take place. Not one of us can make disciples by ourselves. Not one of us. Not one of us. Here's the, what, what's the tendency if I and I've done this before and I've done it semi-effective but more effective in a group if I take Stephen and, and me and you and I try to disciple you towards transformation obedience and worship of Jesus 
and I do it one-on-one and we never let anybody else into that equation, what might tend to be the tendency if I disciple you one-on-one without community involved? There's no growth in the church. Limits growth in the body. I pass on my, my weaknesses, become his weaknesses. It's really one-sided. It's not growing with others. It's not growing from others. Then it's like more season sensation. It could become favorites. But Andrew's got gifts from God wired into him that I don't have. And if Andrew's not a part of the process of discipling Stephen, and we're not doing it as a group of three, then there's giftings and wiring that God gives Andrew that are meant for you. We've had we've had multiple DNA group experiences where somebody's dealing with some kind of situation, and like I'm sitting here racking my brain, like okay, there needs to be a solution here. I I don't know how to provide that, and then someone else will just add in their input that I've never even thought of, and that's yep. that's a solu- that's what needed to happen. Yep. So that's the value in discipleship towards Jesus. That's something that only we can do. Only we can do. If we disciple one-on-one, you become more of a disciple of me than you do a disciple of Jesus. I've experienced that. A guy used to disciple me, Mm -hmm. and I was really following him more than on Jesus. Mm -hmm. Good intentions. Yeah, yeah. Good intentions. But we miss the boat when we don't do it. We think I can make disciples. No, we can make true disciples of Jesus. Like our runs together, there's a lot of discipleship time and conversations that happen that's extremely valuable. Mark, we ran nine miles yesterday, and when you run nine miles as slow as I do, you got a lot of time. Right? A lot of conversations happen. But but there's a fuller picture of Jesus and a fuller picture of the gospel that happens when there's three to four than when there's just two. Okay? And, and that's something that I cannot do, but we must do together. Y'all hit something else um, that was on my list. Oh, I can't see multiple perspectives alone. But if we're going to have a healthy view of any event or idea, it requires we together, not I by myself. Because I see my side. I see my perspective. I see what I see, but Derek sees something else. And we can't have a a healthy view of anything on my own. That's something only we can do together. So as we're making decisions as we're leading through events, as we're leading through processes, as we're doing anything, that's a lot healthier we than it is I. Okay? A lot healthier as a we than I. Anything else that comes to mind? Anything else? We cannot show people what it's like to be a part of a family by ourselves. That's something only we can do together. Uh, Derek said it so well a couple months ago. He's like, when when we hosted at Stephen's house, Derek said exactly what I've been hoping we could grab a hold of. And Derek said, I felt like I was going to Thanksgiving 
when we went to Stephen's apartment and hosted and cooked in his front yard and did those things. It just felt like going to Thanksgiving. so comfortable. It felt like we were entering in with our family. I'm like, I can't do that by myself. I can host you every night of the week and it never feel like that. That's something that only we can do together. Only we can do. Um... I cannot experience forgiveness on my own. That's something only we can do. Right? I mean, I can experience forgiveness through Jesus from God as a personal relationship between He and I, but that fleshes out more fully and more visible when Sam offends me and there's a confession and a forgiveness. That requires operating together. You haven't offended me, Sam. I'm just saying. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Confession. I forgive you. Let's embrace and move on. But, but that doesn't happen in isolation. That can't be done by you or by me. That is a we. To illustrate the gospel by extending forgiveness through confession and repentance towards one another requires us working together. Not one of us can do it on our own. This kind of goes with this one. Not one of us can fund every opportunity that God provides with us to be a blessing on our own. There's not one person in this room that, that every opportunity that's put in front of us by God to take advantage of, not one of us in this room can or should attempt to do that alone. That's something only we can do together. Collaborating to be a blessing together. There are some blessings that come through you, some come through us. Because only we can do them together, right? Um, and finally, the last one on my list. I don't know about you guys, but the last five to six weeks of what we've been doing have been really special to me. And I couldn't do that. You couldn't do that. That requires us doing that. Right? To create the environment that we've been able to walk into and experience, like Whitney said, the Sunday morning experience, that's hosted by us. No matter whose house it's in, no matter who's put most of the work, when you walk in and you feel what we felt, that's been a we thing. Not a you thing, not a me thing, but a we thing. Right? So, so the uniqueness and the special elements that, that we've all enjoyed over the last five weeks, that's been a wee thing. That's a wee. Nobody can do that by themselves. Okay. Y'all read with me in... Actually, somebody read for me. 1 Corinthians. Chapter 12. I should have got a volunteer before I put there were nine verses. When you put nine verses, nobody wants to read that much. But somebody read that for me. First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse twelve through twenty-one. For just as the body is one 
and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For for one, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that will not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, but that will not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were to hear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the, in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, there would there would the body be. As it is, there are many parts yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. Okay. Hold up there. Everybody follow what Paul's saying here to the church in Corinth. The church is like a body. Right? Like a physical body. He's using an illustration that we can all understand. Look in the mirror. Look at your... If you don't have a hand, there's certain things you can't accomplish. Right? The body requires all, all members of your body functioning together in unison to accomplish what not one of them could do on its own. Even if the hand wants to check out and say, I'm not a part of this. If he does that, he can't smell anymore. He can't see anymore. And it requires all members of that body functioning together in order to do what only it can do as a body. Not one part of that body can function independently and accomplish much of anything. Now, there are certain things that only the nose can do. There's no other part of your body that can smell. Only the nose can smell. But what good is that smell if you can't taste, or if you can't see, or if you can't feel, right? So only, there's certain things that only we can do as a body. But then again, there's certain things that only you can do as an individual. And only when all those things come together, can we really do what we do, what only we can do? But to operate as a body for the good of the members and the advancement of the gospel. Let me say that very clearly. We operate together doing the things that only we can do for the good of each other and the advancement of the gospel. If we do what only we can do, it will benefit you as an individual. You'll grow up with the rest of the body till we're all mature in Christ, as Paul says in Ephesians. That's how the body works. Each part does its own so that every part grows up together. That's for, for each other's good, but also for the advancement of the gospel. We, we exist for two different people groups each other and others. So if we ever exist for one group or the other and not both at the same time, then we have dropped the ball. 
and we're not functioning in our purpose. We exist for each other and for others because your maturity, your growth, and others that don't yet know Christ. Good times up there. <laughs> but in order for us to do this, here's the butt. Not the butt in the body, but here's the butt. Single T. Single T. <laughs> that was good. I wouldn't even remember my notes. Here's the butt to this. This sounds good. Everybody say this sounds good. This sounds good. No, don't say it if you don't mean it, right? Anybody want to be a part of a body where every member has a role, all uniquely different, but all valuable? And when you do what only you can do, then we accomplish what only we can accomplish together. There's certain things that... Anybody want to be a part of something that's bigger than them, something that's stronger than them, something that's more special than them, something that is enabled by Jesus to do and accomplish incredible things? Anybody want to do that? Right? But, but, in order for us to do what only we can do, you have to do what only you can do. Okay? In order for us to do together what we can do together, there are certain things that you have to do as an individual to open up the margin for you to be a participant in that. Right? Three weeks ago, so I told you like yesterday we ran nine miles. Generally speaking, felt decent. First three were awful, but I yelled out a couple squeals about my five, and demons left, and I was able to run. It was good. Um, but three weeks ago we ran after we left Sean's place, and I had a sinus infection, and I was like mentally thinking, I'm like I'm going to do this. Right? Sinus infection attacking my body, stole all my energy, but mentally I'm like, I'm going to tell my body what to do. I'm going to tell my body what to do. And we're going to run, I don't, what do we try to run? Six miles, seven miles, eight miles that day? Eight miles. Try to run eight miles that day with a sinus infection. And my mind was willing, but my body was not able. So we got started out, first mile, I'm like, maybe. Second mile, I'm like, I don't know. Third mile, I'm like, oh crap. And then by like mile four or five, I started walking. And then we just walked the way in. Because my mind was willing, but my body was not able. Why? Because the sinus infection stole all my margin. I didn't have the energy. I didn't have the capacity. Because my load on my body because of that infection had already exceeded the limit. So therefore, I didn't have the margin to run the race that day. I just couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. So we can say that we're willing and we're ready. And we're excited. But if you as an individual aren't willing to go up here and make space to be a part of what's down here, then you can be excited all you want. I can be excited as a pastor all I want. But we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. We're going we're gonna to start walking. And eventually we're going to stop walking. And we'll run dry. 
right? Um, Zach, they hosted last week. Um, Zach is going through a lot of physical therapy in this part of his process after the stroke. And um, he's learning the same lesson. The, the right side of his body is ready to go. Right? The right side of his body functions completely normal, does everything that his brain tells it to, and it's just like everyday life for him. But the left side of the body, even, here's what's interesting, even though his right side is fully functioning and able to do everything, it can only do what his left side's willing to do. And the left side's not listening to the brain. Right? He's having to build new places for his thoughts to connect to his new electric, whatever those are. Right? But it's interesting because his right side is completely willing, completely able, but because his left side is not, his right side can only do what his left side is willing to do. So it is with us. So it is with us. Right? If we aren't willing or able to go up here as individuals, then we can't go down here collectively. Even if the right side of our body is able, willing, and ready, built-in margin, if the left side of the body has no margin, already overextended, when the right side tries to go, we're going to drag the left side with us. And the whole body's going to shut down. The whole body's going to shut down. Right. Any thoughts on that before I go to our application today? I mean, is that, does that make sense? We are only as able as we are healthy. Okay. We, this part, are only as able as we are healthy. How do we get healthy? Increase margin. Simple as that. The more we increase margin, the more we become healthy, the more we become healthy, the more we become able. Application. Here we go. Uh, Stephen already hit on one of them. Two points of application. Number one, DNA groups. DNA groups are where a significant portion of discipleship takes place and where a variety that we have in the body really shines. Right? If It's where your gifting and your wiring become really valuable, really present, really visible, really unique. And it's where you see the variety that God has placed together for the good of each other. Okay, so DNA groups are not a place where you go and you immediately see eye to eye. You immediately feel like you have all things in common. But it's where a place you go together and your uniqueness becomes valuable in the life of another so that both of you reach maturity. You cannot reach maturity by being surrounded by people that only think and act like you. I always think about this in terms of reproduction. What do we call that? Incest. 
If you want to multiply with people that only have your genes, it's called illegal. It's also called awkward. Right? But it, what, is, what does that do? It creates deficiencies in you. It creates abnormal, well, abnormalities in you. The word is in there somewhere. What was it? Entrepreneurial. That's another one of those words. <laughs> Multiplying through relationships with people that already have your DNA creates significant abnormalities in your character and in your faith. It creates a blind side. You become so much like yourself that what God actually intended a healthier, all perspectives, multiple people growing up together who are uniquely different from different past, different experiences, maybe even slightly different doctrinal theological views. Come together, humbly, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and let God complete what He started. Okay? Because only then do you grow up into a healthy, mature, reproducing believer. If you only surround yourself with people that think and act and look just like, like, just like you, you should be prepared to have strong abnormalities in your walk. Because you're just affirming what you already believe. And you're affirming why other people are messed up. And you're affirming all the things you want affirmed there's no humility, there's no growth, there's no transformation. Right? So DNA groups are where that happens. DNA groups, as most of you already know, require margin. I don't have time. I don't have energy. It requires margin. When you get invited to a DNA group, and you're like, I don't have enough of something to participate in that, what you're saying is I have not built in margin to participate in that. Just call what it is. Recognize it. Right? Maybe I went and it was an emotional process. I don't know if I can do that again. I don't have enough margin built into my emotions. I didn't have time. I can't change my plans. Whatever it is. But our plans are just a representation of what we value. Right? So, so let's just... But here's the, the other thing. Two, two things that happen with DNA groups. They require... And replenish margin. Am I right, Stephen? They require margin, but they also replenish your margin. There's some days you're like, I don't know if I have enough margin built in to get there, but when you get there, you feel full and you have been built up and you are stronger than you were when you got there. Okay? They require and replenish margin. As we rub shoulders and invest in one another, we become healthier emotionally, spiritually, in our planning, in our processes, and in our obedience to Jesus, which affects every part of our life. So they do require, but they also replenish margin. If we want to get better, we have to get better at this. If we want to get better, we have to get better in this area. Okay? Application number one, DNA groups. If we want to get better, if we want to get better at these things, then we have to get better in this thing. 
because I think this thing equips us to do those things together. Strange thing, this is free of charge. I think I complained to Tony and Mark at the beginning of the Braves basketball season. Right? What, what was my story at the beginning of the basketball season after like one or two games? Y'all remember my moment? There's this one kid. Is that the right thing? Okay. There's that. And then passed the ball very good and liked to shoot. Yeah. So the other kids really weren't getting to participate. Yeah. So I was frustrated at that reality. Right? But then I offered to the coach. I said, Coach, I'm here for you. I had to offer three times because he was... He didn't want, he's like Mark, he didn't want to make me uncomfortable or put me out by asking me to help, but I'm like, dude, I'll help, I'm here. And then I start hovering over the bench, waiting on him to ask me to help, right? So, but then he invited me at practice time to come help. My objective was not to push my way in or change anything, I just wanted to be a help. I just wanted to be a help. Funny thing was, two games in, I'm complaining and moaning, but after two practices of helping, when I go to the games now, it's interesting how significantly my mindset has shifted. And I'm like, we've worked on that. We don't want to do that anymore. And I want to go out there and I want to tell them and I want to encourage them and I want to help them. The first two games, I wanted to cuss them. But when I put my treasure, my time, my investment, my heart was attached to it. Remember we talked about that a few weeks ago? And it shifted the way I watched the games. I used to watch with frustration and irritation and now I watch wanting more because we're working towards it. That's where DNA groups, you may come in and say, you know what, this church doesn't do this, this family doesn't do this, this group stinks at doing this. Go to a DNA group where your, heart, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It'll be a shift in your mentality towards what we do or don't do. What we're good at and what we stink at. You show up on Sunday, you'll judge us. You show up at DNA group, you'll love us. Or you'll hate us and you'll grow up into maturity with us. Right? But that's where you put your, your treasure and your heart to follow. That's where that happens. Okay? Application number two. Sunday mornings have been good lately. Anybody got any idea why? I mean, just what's one thing that you're like, you know what, this has been really cool on Sunday mornings. Okay, what's that coming through? What's how have we been more invested? I mean, there's a lot more like, places to have church, like more houses are open. Hospitality, more people being hospitable, opening up, letting us come in. That's been a game changer. Game changer. I think that mixed with already if feeling like a family just kind of ties it all together. It's mm-hmm. a family in a house. So now we don't have to talk about what it would look like to be a family. We're like, hey, come in. Ah, guys, this feels like a family. Yeah, so instead of teaching it, we're going to experience it. Yeah, that's what's happened. That's what's happened. Increased hospitality, greater connections, more like family, less like Sunday morning, right? Um, And I like food, so that's been a win. I think the cinnamon rolls and the Croissants that were half cooked, those have been such a <laughs> such an addition. Um, but we planned on doing that when we got kicked out of the station, right? So that was our plan. We have achieved our plan for like six weeks. We've done this. 
really liked it. It's been a game changer. I went from very frustrated in our process to very satisfied in our process in the middle of this. It's been interesting to see the shift internally as we've had this shift externally. Okay? But now we have an option. We have an opportunity that's been given to us. We didn't seek it. We didn't ask for it. But we had a plan. And now we have to ask if God's doing something different. And if He is, do we have the margin in our plans to follow Him? Right, so I got a text this week from a pastor of the church that's been renting uh, in the downtown area, in the square. So if you're looking at the gas station that we met at, go a block and a half to your right. And there's an old storefront right there that I tried to rent for us a long time ago. But this church swooped in and did it. And I said, hey, jokingly, I'm like, if y'all ever like, want to give that up, let me know. Because that'd be a really cool space for us. Um, and he sent me a text this week. said, hey, we're, we're going a different direction as a church. Wondered if you'd be interested in taking over this space. Um, so I think, I think the address is 127 North Main. That's because it's in between 125 and 129. So I'm making the assumption. It's not on the door. Um, uh, the old post office is the building to the left. And there's a Toby Wilson something or other on the right side. So if you want to drive through the downtown block, look for those two, and it's the door in between there. Um, really st- small space, really cool space. It's got all the character and all the cool factor that we could ever want. We could move in, we could set up our stuff, and we'd be done. Really minimal investment to get in it, really just walk in and have our way. And interestingly enough, this church has a lease on it. Um, and we would lease from them until August, and after that we decide if we want to keep it, and we could sign a lease with the company that owns it. So there's no lease, uh, very reasonable price, $600 a month, they pay about 300 in utilities. So about $900 a month to have a space for seven days a week, all the cool factor you could want, no setup, no teardown, same address you can invite your friends and family to, all those things, right? Um, and little to no risk involved. Those are all the pros. Here's my con. Not, not even cons. Here's my concerns that I need y'all to flesh out with me. I don't want to kill momentum. And I'm not saying we have momentum numerically. I feel like we have momentum... You know what I mean. Right? Relationship, just feels like we're going the right direction. I don't want to kill that. I don't think we're going to be a house church for the rest of my life. But if we need to be it for the rest of the winter, you know, I don't know. I don't want to cut that season short. But at the same time, I want to make sure we have space in our planning to adjust to what God's making available if that's the case. Okay? So that's concern number one is momentum. Um, concern number two is I don't want to decrease hospitality I had to host out of my house for over a year before anybody else would host and now we've been at four different houses in four different weeks I don't want to kill that I value that more than I value anything else we've done I think that is the single most significant shift in our ministry that we will ever experience is being willing to use our house as a refuge for other people I don't want to kill that, right? Don't want to kill that at all. Last concern is financial margin. 
we have been increasing our generosity over the last two months to be more of a blessing to others and less of a comfort to ourselves. We're investing in Richard at Bridgetown at $100 a month. I told Richard, I said, as long as you need it and as long as we exist, whichever one comes first, you no longer need it or we no longer exist. But we're going to give it as long as both of those are a reality. We're going to invest $100 in your family so y'all can plant Bridgetown. Uh, Also, creating that relationship with our local elementary school. Um, Looking at setting aside a certain amount of money every month. And if they need it for clothes or food, we spend it on that. If they don't need it that month, we just invest it in the staff and the teachers. Right? Um, And we've got other things. So we're just beginning the process of increasing our generosity to be a blessing to others. I don't want to kill our ability to continue to grow in generosity. We've got money in the bank. We can carry this thing till August. No problem. So don't let me say that. No problem. But we need to increase our financial margin collectively so that we can continue to increase our generosity in our community. Okay? Not so that we can pat our checkbook, not so that we can have a big cool space, so that we can continue to grow in generosity. Because there's certain acts of generosity like feeding and clothing the school and there's certain opportunities that come our way that require that we do it together. And your continual giving to the ministry is how we fund those opportunities. Okay. So, those are my concerns. Momentum, hospitality, financial margin. Does anybody have any thoughts on those before I give you potential solutions to consider? Since, okay, so if we did decide to like go into this building, mm-hmm. um, and since it seems as though like MCs would be uh, closer to what they were intended to be originally, mm-hmm. as we have like more homes to host out of, then that could possibly, you know, help us keep the hospitality portion without. Some of you are not as familiar with our term MC. MC stands for missional community. When we began this journey, we had three different areas Sunday gathering. Missional community and DNA group. There's some people that will only enter into a commercial space on Sunday morning. You got people that you would invite that would never come to this setting, but they'd come to that setting. So you have a Sunday morning that's attractive, it's comfortable, it's an open door to anybody that goes that's willing to go to church. MC is things like this. It's where you use your house in your context to be missional to invite other people in that may not even go to this. You host a party. You take advantage of the the seasons that come, Christmas, Super Bowls, 4th of July, and you host. And you invite your neighbors, your friends, and people that love Jesus, people that don't love Jesus, people that whatever, anybody and everybody, to come experience the family that we love so much. It's not a church event, it's a missional event. You're hosting a party. And people get to experience what it's like to be a part of this family simply by shooting fireworks with us on the 4th of July. 
So that's where our hospitality increases, continues, maintains its rhythm. Right? And then the DNA group, you know what that is. And there are certain people that would really like to enter into that space before they go to any of those others because they're intimidated by crowds. Some people are intimidated by the intimacy of that. Some people are intimidated by the crowd. So you've got people all over the map when we have three different front doors to the church. But in order, we lost sight of this one when we were at the gas station, primarily because nobody was willing to host. Okay? So we had a Sunday morning that we tried to make feel like this. Never fully worked because they were always intended to be two separate spaces. We tried our best, but it never really fully happened. So if we did this, what Hannah's saying is we have a Sunday morning that's Sunday morning. We continue our hospitality by hosting hospitality around everyday life, throwing parties, serving in the same ways that you've seen over the last five, six weeks. Continue that, but it's in addition to Sunday morning. Could be a monthly missional party that's at a different house every month. This month, you guys, here's the cool thing. It's like a conversation I had with Derek a little while back. This is not the pastor telling you, this is what I want you to do. Imagine this. This is you saying, what people do I have within my reach? Maybe it's my brother and the family attached to that. Maybe it's my actual neighbors. But there's, there's people that I can envision in my life that are within reach. If I wanted to host something, what would I do to reach them to get them to come to it? You define it, we help you do it. That's what that is. Is it a bonfire in the backyard? Is it a slip and slide on the 4th of July with fireworks in the front yard? Is it fixing up your neighbor's house that they just can't seem to get to? What is it? You know better than I do, so you define it, we help you. You can do it, we can help. What's that, Home Depot? Lowe's? Something like that? (laughs) So that's what that is. But this is absolutely 100% dependent upon you continuing your hospitality that you have learned over the last month and a half. What does that require? It requires margin because now you're doing Sunday morning and potentially a monthly something in a rotation. It requires a little bit more effort, a little bit more investment, a little bit more thought. You know, so do we have the margin built into our life that, you know what, I'll continue to help host what only we can host on Sunday morning, but realize that we're going to connect with a lot of people through that missional community lifestyle that will never set foot on Sunday morning. It just requires a little more margin in our life. So this is the time to say, you know what, do we have that? I can't build your margin, but if you don't build the margin, we can't do that. Right? So this is an open question. Say, I don't want to build that margin in my life. Forget you. I like this. I don't want to do anything else. I mean, if that's honestly what's in your heart, now's a great time to say that. Or if you're like, you know what? I like this, but I'm willing to invest a little bit more so that what we have here will become to the advancement of the gospel for others.
we're just asking these questions. This is what it would look like to take that space. Right. Any other thoughts before we move on? Could you, Hannah just kind of introduced part of our solution. <laughs> I think the timing feels a lot better now than it did a month and a half ago, two months ago. Okay. That's kind of the good thing about getting to go to different houses and have different hosting areas. So it kind of uncorks the bottle to where the next time that it comes up, like we're going to feel okay to mm-hmm. have another event here. Yeah. And probably with the other houses, it might feel the same way. So I think it helps bridge that gap of getting more of the MC uh, feelings everywhere else. So the timing feels good to me. But. Mm-hmm. It's about $300 cheaper than what we put on the board a few months, a couple months ago, too. Yeah. So. Maybe the uh, momentum was something we needed in the time as well, though. It's just like, it was just God's plan to play that out to where we got to this rhythm that we're in and got to this feeling that we're in to get us on board with what's coming next. Yeah. I really like the, just the idea of having three different gateways in the church has always been a really attractive thing to me. And it's like, you know, we were saying at the station, like we locked, we kind of locked in Sunday morning and then we lost the MC. And so that this this time frame, I feel really good about having like the, the idea of the space now because now we can actually fully open all three pathways in the church mm-hmm. in a in a healthy way because now we know what an MC looks like because mm-hmm. now we're kind of operating where we kind of lose some of the corporate Sunday that might be attractive to some, and so now we can actually move forward in all three pretty well. I think it probably is a lot easier to invite someone to a church location or to your MC get together. Just based then. off of that. Yeah. Worship in a house, they may think you're a cult. We're not a cult. Father's <laughs> 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 <always> listening. It's a cult. It people do have judgment on that. I mean, yeah. I've explained it a lot. To yeah. the best of my ability, they're probably yeah. just like, okay, yes, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever my brother or my uh, sister and brother in law was telling them about what church I was going to, and they were like, well, Where's that at? And I was like, Well, we were at the station, but now we kind of just go to each member's house. How many members you got? Like 12? That's gold. On a good day, we're But if we operate like in in the nature that we, as a, as Salt County, desire to operate in, that no matter what area that we bring somebody in, they should have the same, you know, hopefully, the same response from it. No matter what it looks like, you know that, that these people do operate like a family. That they that they love each other. That they want to pursue our community with with the love of Christ. Like. That should be visible no matter how you know what space it looks in. So I think now, like, I think we could, I think we could actually demonstrate that no matter what room. It's easier to be a church of Salt County being in Salt County, not just yeah. locked into a home. Yeah, this is this is a shift in our current situation. So I mean, now's the time to to be heard and voice concerns, voice. Thoughts, questions, whatever. Um, so solution one is, is potentially monthly missional community gatherings. These are not worship services. These are you hosting something in your area to let people experience the family through a variety of ways. Either a meal, a party, 
an act of service. Right? I'll continue to teach those things if we go this direction and explain exactly what that is. But you saying, I think this would be valuable in their life, so let's do this. This is not what you're used to where your pastor stands up and says, we as a church are doing this so that we can be available to our community. Now, this is you saying, I know the people within my reach and I know that this is something we can host that would be valuable to them and they could experience our family. You know? They'll, they'll come to your house for a 4th of July party and they'll be like, hey, your church people aren't so weird. Hey, we have a spot downtown that we meet every Sunday and the same non-weird people meet down there. You should come, you should come see what we're about on Sunday now. Right? It, it, it opens a door. Now that they've experienced the family, they may come experience a worship again. Yeah. So, that's kind of how that works. I almost feel like we need a sign-up sheet for the MC, like project it out for the next six months and put yeah. your name down. Then at that point, if you know that it's coming up, maybe you can get your margin ready for that. Mm-hmm. You could plan As opposed to if it's just wide open, then it might be harder yeah. to get volunteers. Yeah. yeah. Second thing, Second part of the solution, increase giving to continue the trend of increased generosity. The fact of the matter is, about half of us are invested into this ministry, and where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Until you get invested, these things will be optional, and you'll judge how somebody else is performing. But when you become invested, you'll care about how we're performing. You'll care about what we're doing. You'll care about how we do it well. You know, it's, it's just a game changer. Number one, it changes your investment in the game. Number two, it increases what we are able to do together. What we are able to do together. But you're like, dude, you don't know how much X, Y, Z I got going out every month. I know, that goes back to something that only you can do. I can't change this up here. It's some things only you can do. But if you do what only you can do, then there'll be some things that only we can do. And we'll do those together for the glory of God and the good of others. Okay? So, that's just kind of how that works. Only we can do this if we choose to step into this opportunity that's given to us, right? Here's what I don't want. Here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to be facing an eight-mile run with a sinus infection. We're going to do it. I know it doesn't feel right. I know nobody else is really on board. But I'm going to will it. We can do it. And get halfway into my run and say, you know what, I'm just getting tired of dragging my body. This is not healthy for anybody. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. My body, our body, is going to have to rise up and say, you know what, Feel it. I'm not willing it. I feel it. We've got it. We've got the strength. We've got the margin. We've got the energy built in together. We can do this. We can do this. Andrew, you came up to me a few months ago, and, and you had a little concern for me because I was I was in a funk. You know why I was in a funk? It's because I was trying to will the body who was not ready. 
And I got burned out. I got exhausted. I got frustrated. Why? Because the body wasn't ready. And I thought I could will the body into position. I couldn't. So I've learned that lesson. And now I'm asking our body, our family, if we choose to do this, we can do it. Right? But in no form or fashion am I going to try to persuade you or will you to accomplish something that you're not ready or willing to do. Okay? It's something only we can do. Here's what we do get to do. I'm going to ask you, number one, pray. Pray this week. Earnestly pray. God, what would you have me to do? Because there's some things that only we can do in our home. And then what would you have us to do? I'm asking you to pray very specific. What role does your home, your family play in this? And then seek God and ask Him what He wants us to do together, collectively. Okay? If we're all praying about this, I believe we'll all reach unity and we'll move ahead together without one side of the body dragging the other. Right? But we'll move together with both our nose and our ears in place so that we can fully function. Right? I'll ask you to do that. Number two, next week we're going to worship in that space that I'm talking about. We're going to be downtown. I'll shoot out an address on our group meet and we'll get to worship in that space Experience it firsthand before we have to make any final decisions. Okay? So come down there, worship down there, experience the space we're talking about, bring people with you, right? We're not a cult anymore, we're in a commercial space. <laughs> There's a window so you can see what's going on inside. <laughs> so, uh, so next week we'll worship downtown. And uh, we'll just get to experience it firsthand together before we have to make a decision, right? But I ask you this week to pray. This week to pray. Because you may be having this conversation with me right now. And you're like, you know what? I can't give any more than I'm giving right now. Either financially, in my time, in my heart. I got nothing else to give. It's taking everything I got to show up and eat your donuts every week. I got nothing else for it. <laughs> Be honest with that. Be honest with that. But if you want to see what God can do when a body comes together for the good of others and for the glory of our Heavenly Father, if you want to be a part of that and you need to shuffle your life around to make space for it, we'll help you. Because we want you to be a part of it. We do. But moving into this space is it's a shift in who we are. It is. It's almost like we become a church. Right? I mean, I'm just... It's almost like we do. I'm going to leave you with two words. Two words that have always meant a lot to me over the last number of years. I can't spell them. Maintenance and mission. Maintenance and mission. Right now we're on mission. We have no maintenance. 
None whatsoever. We don't have to clean our space every week to get ready. We don't have to straighten the chairs. We don't have to pay the light bill. There's no maintenance to what we're doing. Everything is fluid and missional. We're in our community. We're visible. We got Salt County signs. All Everybody that got up and went to Target this morning, churches in our neighborhood. Right? It's visible. It's missional. It's unique. But when you become a more predictable church and you take on a, a facility there's maintenance involved and these two things always compete with each other one tries to steal from the other okay the more maintenance you take on the less you have built in to invest in the mission right but sometimes you learn and I think we've learned that if we would take on a little maintenance, we might become a little more palatable through this Sunday morning event. Right? So a little bit of maintenance might serve the mission. It might become beneficial. But it's still maintenance. I love having a house. I usually love having my kids. But you know what? I could have a full-time job being a maintenance man at my house. I could. I still got a septic tank that's uncovered. I still got a deck that's disassembled. I still got a sunroom that's not painted. Oh, it's maintenance. It's maintenance. My heart values the mission, but I'm coming to realize that a little bit of maintenance might advance the mission if we do it well. If we do it well. But I will say that maintenance it's not sexy it's not fun sometimes it requires getting up and just doing it just getting up and doing it and if we take on this space downtown we're going to take on a little bit more of that and we are the ones who get to carry it right we are the ones who get to carry it so it's just understanding going in but know that even if you're on the one that vacuums that space on Saturday night so that we can meet on Sunday morning, you're not vacuuming a space. You're advancing the mission so that we can be more effective to advance the gospel in our community. Okay? So, pray this week about how your own personal household is involved in this. Pray this week about how God would move this household together. There's some things only you can do. There's some things only we can do. But if we don't do individually what we can do, then we won't do anything collectively. Because our collective effort is dependent upon your individual part. Okay. Final questions, concerns, thoughts, comments? We did an MC at your house. Can we? Uh, you know, for... Oh, clean up all my maintenance? <laughs> yeah, we'll even take for you. We'll put the deck back. We may, have to, we may have to double the size of our church before we do anything in my house. <laughs> it's a good place to be. To have 
the options in front of us. It's a good place to be. You know, if if we are prepared well, it'll be a really, really healthy and exciting season. If we try to go in already over our head, it's gonna be really frustrating. You know? So we just pray over the week, we'll experience it next weekend and we'll pick up our discussion at that point. Can I ask you to pray for us as we wrap up? Father, thank you for allowing us to gather here and blessing us with this church. Lord, I pray that you would show us through this week, Lord.